the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to a new edition of Vatican Insider, the last weekend before I depart for Honolulu. I'm on the Historical Commission for the Cause of Canonization of Servant of God Joseph Dutton. He worked for 44 years on Molokai with Saints Damien and Marianne, caring for the victims of leprosy. When such a commission closes its work, a meeting must be held in the Diocese of the Cause for Canonization with all members present. This is required by the Dicastery for the Causes of Saints in Rome, to which we will send our report. For the next two weekends, my colleagues are preparing a best of for Vatican Insider. The weekend of December 16th, in fact, we will re-air a riveting interview done in Hawaii with another member of that commission, Father John Paul Kimes, a professor at Notre Dame University, not to be missed. And I'll remind you when that weekend comes. This weekend in the interview segment, we feature a talk with Craig Joring, co-founder of Hope of the Poor, an amazing organization founded in America with headquarters in Mexico City and Omaha, Nebraska, whose motto is alleviating the poverty of the unloved. Craig founded this with Danny Ledger to impact the world by showing how the poor are viewed and treated and how they can be helped. So stay tuned for that right after the news segment. And that starts right now. Sunday, November 26th. Recovering from flu-like symptoms, Pope Francis led the recitation of the Noon Angelus Prayer from his residence at the Casa Santa Marta, instead of the usual window of the Apostolic Palace that overlooks St. Peter's Square. Monsignor Paolo Braida of the Secretariat of State read the Pope's reflections for him before the Angelus and his additional message following the prayer. The Vatican Saturday had announced that the Pope was suffering from a light case of the flu, and his scheduled appointments were all canceled for that day. In the afternoon, he went to a nearby hospital for a scan of his lungs that the Vatican said yielded negative results for any risk of pulmonary complications. Pilgrims and visitors who had gathered in the square Sunday participated in the Angelus via the large video screens broadcasting the event. In his reflections last Sunday, The Solemnity of Christ the King, Pope Francis reminded us we are called to show compassion, mercy, and tenderness, as these are the criteria by which we will be judged by the Lord. Father Brida also, as I said, read the Pope's post-Angelus remarks, his prayers for the Ukrainians, and his thanks to God for the truce between Israel and Palestine. It was also diocesan-level World Youth Day throughout the world yesterday, and the Holy Father encouraged young people to be joyful protagonists in the life of the Church. Monday, November 27th, Holy See Press Office Director Matteo Bruni explained that the CAT scan done Saturday at a hospital did show a pulmonary inflammation that has caused several breathing difficulties. For the antibiotic therapy to work with greater efficacy, an intravenous tube was inserted. The Pope's condition is good and stationary. He does not have a fever, and his breathing situation is quite clearly improving. To facilitate the Pope's recovery, several important appointments scheduled for these days have been postponed, 
so that he can dedicate the necessary time and energy to that recovery. Other appointments of an institutional character or easier to undertake, given his actual health conditions, have been maintained. In fact, the Pope scheduled audience Monday at the Santa Marta residence with the President of Paraguay. His wife and entourage did take place. Tuesday, November 28th. Matteo Bruni held a briefing for journalists about the Pope's upcoming trip to Dubai to address the COP28, the International Climate Conference, running from November 30th to December 12th. However, later that evening, he issued a statement saying, quote, Even though the Holy Father's general health situation has improved in relation to the flu and the respiratory tract inflammation he's been suffering from, his doctors have asked the Pope not to undertake his scheduled visit to Dubai on the occasion of his 28th conference on climate change. Bruni said upon the advice of his doctors, Pope Francis, with great regret, has canceled his visit to Dubai. Also Tuesday, the Vatican released the video with Pope Francis's prayer intention for the month of December 2023, in which he asks people, let us pray that people with disabilities may be at the center of attention in society and that institutions will offer inclusion programs that enhance their active participation. In the video, the Pope acknowledged that people with disabilities are among the most fragile among us. Some of them suffer rejection, rooted in either ignorance or prejudice, which then marginalizes them, he said. The Pope therefore urged civil institutions to put into place projects that can provide access to education, employment, and places where they can express their creativity. Tuesday afternoon at the Santa Marta residence, Pope Francis met with a group of victims of child abuse committed by members of the Church. The group is from the Diocese of Nantes in France, and it was accompanied by religious from the Congregation of the Montfort Brothers of St. Gabriel and the Diocesan Commission for Recognition and Reparation. The group had met earlier for two hours during the morning with the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors at its Rome headquarters, where a message from the Pope was read and delivered. Wednesday, November 29th, Pope Francis presided at the general audience in the Paul VI Hall, but because he still has breathing issues and a weak voice, an aide, Monsignor Filippo Ciampanelli, read the Italian language catechesis that continued Francis's cycle on the passion for evangelization, the apostolic zeal of the believer, and the theme of the day was Proclamation is for Today. Shorter versions of the papal catechesis were read in different languages. Although the papal doctors had advised him not to travel to Dubai, it seems they felt he could be present for the weekly general audience. Before the audience, the Pope met with Glasgow's Celtic Football Club in a small room off the audience hall, while at the end of the audience, a very animated group of circus performers entertained the Pope and the faithful present. Thursday, November 30th, the Pope met with members of the International Theological Commission, with participants in a seminar on ethics and health management, and also with a delegation of members of the 2023 Lisbon World Youth Day Committee and Foundation to thank them for their work last summer. Francis also sent his traditional annual greetings to ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew on the occasion of the November 30th Feast of St. Andrew, the patron of Constantinople. To save his hoarse voice, papal messages were read and Francis made only a few off-the-cuff remarks 
with the various groups he met. Friday, December 1st, the Vatican announced that Secretary of State Cardinal Pietro Parolin will deliver the Pope's prepared remarks in Dubai at the COP28 Climate Conference. Also Friday, there was a telegram from Cardinal Parolin in the Pope's name in which Francis expressed his condolences and spiritual closeness to the parents of Indy Gregory, the eight-month-old British girl who died last month after a long legal battle. Friday was her funeral. Well, those are the week's news highlights, but stay tuned to listen to Craig Joran as he talks of his organization, Hope of the Poor. And have a great weekend. EWTN, communicating the faith. I am a very happy, grateful revert to the faith. About 12 years ago, I was surfing the channels and I found EWTN. I didn't even know it existed. And I heard Mother and remembered that years ago, I had told a Catholic nun at a church in Boston that I was visiting that I missed the faith. And she said, you will come back. And when I was listening to Mother Angelica, I remembered that. Carry the faith wherever you go. Watch the EWTN series, specials, events, and news streaming live from anywhere in the world. Streaming is available on the EWTN app for Apple, Android, and Amazon devices. Download the EWTN app at EWTNapps.com today. I firmly believe that prayer is communication with God. And if we know that God is a loving Father, why wouldn't we want to talk to God? The reality is we've got to talk to our family, we've got to talk to our friends, and if God is real, and God is definitely real, He wants to hear about our day. He also wants to know how we're doing and what our needs are. Prayer is communication with God. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Well, welcome to Vatican Insider and another special guest in the interview segment. Today I'm going to introduce you to Hope of the Poor, an amazing organization founded in America with headquarters in Mexico City and Omaha, Nebraska. And the motto is alleviating the poverty of being unloved. The poverty of being unloved, that struck me more than anything else about the the entire website. My guest today in Rome for a visit is one of the founders of Hope of the Poor, and that is Craig Joring. He'll tell us about the other founder in a minute, but Craig, welcome to Rome. Thank you. It's great to be here in Rome. Well, we have a lot to talk about because your ministry, this Hope of the Poor, is just one amazing organization. Now, before I go into your actual work, though, tell us about Danny, who could not be here today with us. Danny, Le- Danny Ledger is the co-founder with me, with Hope of the Poor. We started the organization in, ni- in 2016. What we did, we met uh, through mutual friends, and after a year, we decided to merge our ministries together. Oh. So I brought... Everything that I had worked on for a number of years and projects, and then Danny brought 
14 years of ministry experience and writing songs and and everything that he had done and we formed an organization through that called Hope of the Poor. Now Danny lives in Omaha and he has six kids and a wife and uh, and so we work we collaborate a lot we speak together when we can because you're mostly in Mexico City and he is in in Omaha so you are from uh, Omaha originally right I mean you're from Nebraska I'm from grew up Nebraska, in Nebraska yeah. now about the site the website says you work with the poor to help them overcome crippling psychological conditions, combat drug addictions, and to make the journey from homeless and helpless to becoming hopeful and productive members of society. How absolutely beautiful. Tell us a little more specifically uh, about your work. Yeah. In Mexico City, I work in places where most people are not willing to go. And so I work on the streets of Mexico City, around the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe. There's around 250 people that are homeless. And then I work at the city dump, uh, one of the city dumps in Mexico City. I've done that for seven years, and I have access there on a weekly basis, and I, I bring hope to the people. But on the streets of Mexico City, most people that are homeless are addicted to drugs or alcohol so I bring them hope that they can change their lives and they can they can uh, they can have a relationship with Christ and he can change them and they can have a future I've learned a lot about the homeless being in Rome simply because as you can see where I live right across from Vatican City and and the Basilica the area of the Vatican has attracted a lot of homeless simply because of Pope Francis. Years ago, he set up showers for the homeless, and then he made barbers available on Monday, mostly for men. I mean, because they are mostly men. And then there's some shelters that operate overnight, and he's just done amazing things. Well, to make the world aware of of the homeless, probably less the addicted, but he mentions that, the homeless, the helpless, the marginalized. He himself, it's do as I say and do as I do. So the Pope has created that awareness. But one of the most amazing people in the Vatican, and if you and I had only met earlier, I could have arranged a meeting, Cardinal Konrad Krajewski, he's Polish. He heads the Papal Almoner's Office in Rome, I mean at the Vatican. And he, for many, many years with John Paul being Polish, of course, he was on the altar. He was one of the uh, masters of ceremony on the altar at all John Paul Masses. He now heads this office, and he's the perfect person to do it. He's had a ministry with the poor for decades. People come to his apartment in the Vatican, the homeless, every single day. They prepare lunch for him and for themselves, a different group of homeless. Uh, the Cardinal knows 300 homeless people by name, and I'm betting you know uh, a number of, the, of yours by name just because you, you see them so often. But he and the Swiss guards go out a couple nights a week. They bring food, other necessities to the poor where they know exactly where they're sleeping or, or where to find them. So I will make sure the two of you meet because he will be awed by your work. And um, as Pope Francis would be if your paths would uh, whatever cross, you know. You're telling us what you do now, but what prompted you to found Hope of the Poor? I grew up in a very rural area of Nebraska at a very young age. My parents would always take us to the nursing home after church on Sunday. 
we would one time we had a a field trip and I went to a very small rural school and we had a field trip where they were they had a school for handicapped kids and I as a immature young man I was I thought that was funny and I internally like I was I w- I thought that was interesting that the these kids who are my age could hardly read and then I realized that they are no different than I am they're a child of God they're deeply loved and this just hit me in a moment and I started weeping I haven't I've never recovered from that and I've always had a heart for the poor or people that are people that are rejected are different and uh and through no fault of their own, through the blessing of God, God made them that way, I just saw the gift in them. Well, do you remember Father's words this morning during the homily when he said the guy who tried to pick his pocket yesterday on the subway? And um, he said, at times in life it's difficult. How, to, how can I turn around and think of this guy as, as a child of God? And it's really f- amazing your answer because the very next words that I have on my little questionnaire form here I'm saying Craig it sounds like um, it's so much like you're trying to get the poor to see their own human dignity and their own worth I mean and you basically just said that you know absolutely so how have some lives changed have any of them changed radically that you've seen tell us a story or two we have we have so many lives that are being changed in Mexico because when people encounter someone who comes in their life and gives them dignity, that becomes a foundation for them being able to make changes in their own life. So I use a model where when I find someone who's homeless and we decide we want to work together, I get them into the into a safe place. Right now I have 13 families that I've taken out of the street. Most were involved in prostitution and making a living in prostitution all were addicted to drugs or alcohol oh, wow. and all were either homeless or near homeless so the first thing to I, I need to do in order to be able to help them is get them into a safe place sure. and so we've rented 13 apartments and uh, in different sections of the city and then what I do is I surround them with love and acceptance through all of my staff and our volunteers. We have 500 volunteers who come Your missionaries, on yeah, missions yeah. a year. And we just treat those these people that have been rejected. They feel like an outcast. They feel like they're not worthy of God's love and acceptance. And we demonstrate that through the, to them by spending time with them and loving, loving them and caring for them. And then we hold them accountable. And so good. A year and a half ago, I started gaining access to a, a kind of a network or community of, of women and their families who work in prostitution. It's a very violent and difficult life. Oh sure. All are addicted to drugs. All were addicted to drugs or alcohol, probably to get through what they have to get what they were doing. Well, if you have no sense of self-worth and nobody's helping you, you, you begin to think, well, then I don't have any worth if nobody's helping me. 
exactly. that you show them you care, they have human dignity, they have worth. Exactly. On the second meeting I had with them as a community, and we have 25 adults and 35 kids, and we had, it was Ash Wednesday a year ago, I had a mission with me. It was a focus mission, the Fellowship of Christian... University students. Exactly. And they came, and they had brought a priest with them. And so it was Ash Wednesday by coincidence or God coincidence, and I said to the priest, what about if we brought the ashes and asked the people if they would receive the ashes? And he did. They all wanted the ashes. Wow. And afterwards, they were shocked by this because these are people that are outcast and they are used to being rejected and nobody would ever come to them and reach out yeah, to them. Yeah, why would you think of me today? Yeah. Exactly. And so they came, they circled around and they said, do you care for us? And they were shocked. And they asked the priest, do you care for us? And they, he had a collar on. And so they were just, they had never seen yeah. a, someone with a collar come and visit them. And he said, yes, I care for you. And then they said, does the church care for us? And he says, yes, the church cares for you. God loves you. He accepts you. He wants to have you uh, follow him. And then they said, in that case, as a community, we all want to be baptized. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Talk about radical. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Exactly. No, and, you know, when you look at what popes have written and said, it comes down to human dignity. It comes down to human worth. I I, I can't, I've never had a moment when I wasn't aware, I guess, of my dignity, but I, so I've tried to manage when I see some of the homeless. Like, how did you end up here? I'd love to ask a lot of them, maybe someday I'll get the courage, to get their stories. And, um, you know, in many, many cases, alcohol is involved. Uh, sometimes it's a question of psych, you know, that you need not just physical help, but mental help, et cetera. So uh, that would be the more difficult one, I think, anybody, where it's a mental case. But where someone simply doesn't think they're worth a tinker's dam, and you can lift them out of that, you know. Well, now tell me about your volunteers. Tell me about the people you call missionaries. Every year I have people who come on six-day missions, and I have a partnership with a convent of, of 12 sisters, and they provide hospitality with housing, and they cook the meals. And then I take the people on a pilgrimage, on a mission and then we have a retreat and so I probably have around 25 a year 25 missions a year lovely and these are typically between 15 and 40 sometimes 45 people and so each year I have around 500 people who come from the United States they take a mission trip and they come and work with me and what I do is I take them to the poor It's interesting because both benefit. The poor are surrounded by love and acceptance with with these missionaries, these one-week missionaries that I I bring down. And they just surround the people and play with them, I mean, with the kids. And they value people. They give dignity. And it really makes a difference in their life because they've never had people come to them and just love and accept them like that. 
And then the people who come down on missions, they encounter, and I coach them a lot each day, like, I want you to encounter Christ. I want you to seek Jesus in the suffering poor sure. today. And so open the eyes of your heart. Well, now, I will, when I um, announce, you know, you being my guest on the radio show, I will on that Friday before on my blog, I will put a link to, to the website. Does the website tell people how they can become a missionary? How they can ha- come on one of your missions? It does. It has our contact information. If they, if people write to that, we have open missions each year. They can come on. Most of our missions come with a church or an organization like Focus. Okay. Or maybe... Would a parish come down? Like absolutely. A parish, you know, okay. Oh, yeah. That's most of yeah. my missions are, are from a parish. Oh, okay. Good. Uh-huh. Now, um, you know, we don't have that much time left, but how do you finance what you do? How do people know how to help you? Is that on the website? It is. We are funded by donations from individuals. And so as I receive funding, I'm able to expand our ministry accordingly. And so I've always operated on it with the idea that whatever God provides for us, and God's very generous that I should use those resources to uh, to build the kingdom of God. And so as I receive more resources, I take more families off the street. Right now we have 13 families that so wow. we've taken off the street, sure. and we're helping them into a different life. Well, basically you're very young. You said it's only tw- this has only been going on since 2016. I can't even imagine what's going to happen. I uh, people listening to this, wanting to help, wanting to know how. There might be a parish that ends up coming down because they heard your story today. So um, I should have said this halfway through the interview, but I've been talking with Craig Jolring, who is one of the two founders of Hope of the Poor. You just heard his story. You can see more and learn more by going to the website. And again, I will put that on my blog in coming days. So Craig, I want to wish you a beautiful time. It's a short time here in Rome. We met at Mass. Where else should we meet on on a Sunday? We met at Mass at St. Patrick's Parish today. So um, I hope the rest of your pilgrimage, not so much a trip, is very fruitful and that maybe someday, someday I can come down to Mexico City and be, a, and be one of your missionaries. So. I would love that, Joan. I'd love to have you come to Mexico City. It, it would be a privilege. It really, really would. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.